Welcome to week two in the For Better or For Worse series that we started last week. And if you're just joining us today for the first time, first we say, of course, welcome. We're happy to have you guys here. Despite the hurricane and the threat of storms, I'm so happy to see so many people here worshiping God here today, trying to hear God's word. That's really great because that's what being a child of God is all about, that regardless of the weather outside, that we have light inside and let it rain, let it storm. As long as we get to watch the Skins game today at some point in time, we won't care what the weather is outside. All right, so that makes me really, really happy and God bless you guys. That makes me excited and as I was over there praying, we were singing that beautiful song, Healer. As I'm praying here in this series that God is really going to bring healing to a lot of marriages that need healing. Like I talked about last week, I'm not talking about bad marriages that need healing. I'm talking about all of our marriages, the good people, the church people, that really need healing in so many different ways. And healing for the future generation, the not married yet, but hope to be married one day, that God would really open your eyes to see what a godly marriage and a God-designed marriage is supposed to look like. And as much as you keep that in your mind and you drive towards that, then I hope that God will find well, God will allow you to find a healthy marriage one day as well. So what we're talking about is we're talking about five commitments that we need to make and keep in order to fail-proof our marriages. Five commitments, and you see them on your handout. Recite them here with me. I don't think it did on the screen. I did not put them up on the screen. Recite them here with me, though, so I'm sure that you're all, you're all awake and alive. We're all on the same page. The first commitment that we will make, which we talked about last week, is... Seek we'll seek God first and foremost. We talked about last week, if we're married, or I'm sorry, if we're single, that we will seek the one on our as we're preparing for our two. And if we're married, then we'll always seek the one with our two. And I hope that last week you did your homework assignment, all right? And you, if you were married, you were supposed to seek God together and spend some time praying together. I hope you did that. And if you were not married, you were not supposed to be praying with anyone, okay? But at least not in that context, but you were supposed to be seeking God until you get to that point. Commitment number two that we're talking about today is? Fight fair. Fight fair. I'll get to that in a little bit. And then number three we're talking about next week is? Uh, Have fun. Number four? Number five? Very good. That's what we will do. We will seek God. We will fight fair. We will have fun. We will stay pure. We will never quit. And if we hold on to these five, then God will fail-proof our marriage. We are going to talk about fighting fair today. But before we do, I have some special bonus Bible passages for you today which are not in your handout. But there's some nice ones that I found that I wanted to share with you guys. And one of them the guys really like, one of them the ladies like a little bit better. So we'll start with the guys first. I give you a very guy-friendly Bible verse. Alright, so you guys are gonna like this. Alright, and if you like it, you're gonna grunt. Alright? Guys, show me how you grunt. Grunt, guys, grunt. 
Not bark, grunt, okay? Grunt, okay? Alright, I'm gonna show you this verse and y'all tell me what you think about this verse. Proverbs 27:15. A quarrelsome wife is like a dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. You guys like that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's right, yeah. Yeah. That's oh, that's right. Quarrelsome wife is like a drip. Drip? Drip? You know, and, and they used to say in like the Chinese prisons, that's what their torture was. Alright? They wouldn't torture you, they would just put you in a cell by yourself and they'd tie you down and there'd be this little drip right next to your head. Okay? And that would make people go crazy. Because a quarrelsome wife is like a dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. We can substitute quarrelsome for nagging, for critical, for talks during football games, whatever kind of wife it is that you want to talk about. And she, the Bible, the Word of God, the inspired Word of God says that she is like a dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Now don't worry ladies, I don't want y'all to feel left out, okay? So I got one for the ladies right now. Alright ladies, tell me if you guys like this. You guys can bark or holler, whatever it is that you do, y'all like this. Alright, says, Better to have severe constipation than to live with a husband who is a jerk. <laughs> and that comes from the book of Second Marianne 2-4. No one likes fighting in marriage. Marriage is great, fighting is the worst. And especially, there's nothing worse than when you're so close, so close, so close, so close, and then that fight, like if you weren't close, the fight wouldn't hurt as much as it does. But I tell you what me and Marianne noticed in our marriage is sometimes the times of the most closeness, like those are the times where the worst fight comes after. And it's the most painful because you tasted how sweet that oneness and that intimacy can be. That where a man and a woman are perfectly one. Uh, physically and spiritually and emotionally and then the fight comes and it's just like ripping of your soul inside and the worst thing is that the majority of fights are over the dumbest things am I wrong raise your hand if you can remember a time where you got into a big huge fight over something really dumb raise your hand okay very good Okay, now raise your hand if you at some point in time got into a big, huge fight, and not only it was really dumb, but you don't even remember why it is that you got into a fight. Okay, very good. Now raise your hand if that happened to you this morning. Okay, a couple hands went up. <laughs> See me afterwards, we'll, we'll discuss it. I, like I said earlier, I was saying that I, I sent out a tweet this week to all the people who follow me on Twitter, and I said, tell me about the dumbest fight you've ever gotten into. And the responses I got back were hysterical. And not only I got responses back on Twitter, I got some this morning as well. People come to me and say, hey, can you add this one to your list? All right, so let me give you some of the ones on, that, I, that I got. Sleeping with a nightlight. Okay, whether the nightlight on or nightlight off. Temperature of the house. Yeah, that's right, that's a big one. How to eat. I don't really ask for clarification. How to blow your nose. Like I said earlier, someone, their dumbest fight ever was fighting about what their dumbest fight ever was. Someone got into a fight about whether you fold socks or whether you ball them up, okay? And I know that's a big deal. Um, where the towel goes after he takes a shower. Where they put the clothes on the way to the shower. Toothpaste cap. And a big one, cupboard doors. I know cupboard doors is a big one in a lot of homes as well. Recently, me and Marianne had what potentially would be our dumbest fight ever. Potentially. And after we finished the fight, 
and she knew I was going to talk about this. She asked me, are you going to mention this on Sunday? I said, absolutely, I'm going to mention it. <laughs> That's the beauty of being married to the priest. Our dumbest fight ever was, let me see if I get this right, a fight over whether or not we were fighting. Marianne was convinced that we were fighting. And she used her spiritual gift of per persistence to make sure that I knew that she felt that way. I didn't think we were fighting, and I used my spiritual gift of being a jerk to completely blow it off and go to sleep. The reality is, is that we all fight, and our fights are usually over the dumbest things. Why do we fight? We fight because we're humans, and because all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So unless you're married to a perfect person, or you are a perfect person, then you should expect that fights will come. And I'm not here to talk about not fighting in marriage. Because I don't believe the goal is to be conflict-free. I don't believe that is the goal. I believe the goal is to have a healthy way of resolving conflicts. You know the only marriages that don't fight? The ones where they don't care. Where they're checked out. Either one of the two partners is checked out and they don't even care. Those are the marriages that, okay, sure, whatever. Whatever you want. The whatever kind of marriages. We don't want any of that stuff for our marriages. We want to learn how to handle conflict correctly. Because what I discovered, it's not that good couples don't fight and bad couples fight. Everybody fights. But the difference is in how we fight. And here's our key thought for today. Healthy couples fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight for victory. In your marriage, are you fighting to win or fighting to resolve? Fighting to win is fighting dirty. There's a man named Dr. John Gottman, who is a marriage specialist. You can read about him online. Who has done lots of studies and research about marriages and relationships. And he studied this issue about fighting styles. And he claims... Okay, and, and everyone out there says that this guy knows what he's talking about. He's watched couples for more than 16 years and evaluated fighting styles. And he claims that he can spend five minutes watching a couple in a fight. Five minutes watching their fighting style. And to 91% accuracy, he can determine whether or not they'll get a divorce. And I believe it. Because fighting styles are fighting styles. And what he says is that if your style of fighting is A, B, C, or D then it is inevitable that this marriage isn't going to work. And if you have these kind of fighting styles, then no matter what obstacle you face, you'll get through it. Because the key isn't the issue. The issue, like I said, is socks balled or folded. The issue is, is toothpaste cap is covered. The issue is nothing. The issue is, or what the, the, real, the, the real, the key is, is how we discuss those issues and fight about those issues. Healthy fighting, you got a shot, no matter what obstacle comes across. Unhealthy fighting, you got no shot, no matter what small obstacle comes across as well. Let me give you all a little example right here that I learned at, I went to, raise your hand if you've been to the weekend to remember. Anyone, okay, very good. So if you're married, you have to go to this thing called weekend to remember. It's done by family life, it's the best. It's a, like a marriage getaway, you go away, it's really, really nice, we learned a ton of stuff, and it really was a weekend to remember for us, and it really revived our marriage in a lot of ways, we went a couple months ago. In that, okay, it taught us a very nice lesson, gave us a little 
analogy of how fighting should work. All right. So here's the way fighting usually takes place in marriages. Y'all, maybe y'all can see I have a little salt shaker right here on my little table. What usually happens in fights is my spouse is there and I'm here. And then we have an issue between us. So what do we do? I say, well, you did this. And I push it to her side. And she says, well, you did this. And what the couple does is they push the issue back and forth the whole time. And you and you and I and I and we just push it back and forth. You know what Weekend to Remember taught me? Keep this analogy in mind. This is healthy fighting versus unfair versus unhealthy fight. Is that the two spouses need to stop sitting on opposite sides of the couch. They need to get a booth. All right, and be one of those awkward couples that's in a, in a booth by themselves. <laughs> and we need to, together, hold hands and look at this and say, okay, that is against us. Because you are not my enemy. You are my spouse. And that is threatening our oneness. That is threatening our unity. Because this is the enemy. And our goal is to defeat this. The problem with this kind of situation is this makes one has to win and one has to lose. And we end up fighting to win. I win, you lose. But there can't be a situation where we both win in this. But if we come to this side of the table, we hold hands, especially we seek God together. So we got God, me, and you. We want to win, and this is who our enemy is, and this is who we're fighting against, this is who we want to lose. It turns any conflict from a win-lose scenario to a win-win scenario, which is what we want to do in our relationships. Four signs that you might be fighting in a this way versus in a healthy way. This is, from Doc, this is what Dr. John Gottman says. These are the four signs they want to avoid. Criticism, contempt, defensive, stonewalling. And stonewalling means like checked out. Four signs that you are not fighting for resolution, you're fighting for victory. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Criticism is not the same as complaining. Let's be clear on that. Complaining is different than criticizing. Complaining is, um, you know, I wish you would have cooked last week. Okay? Complaining it, or criticizing is, you never ever cook. Complaining is, you know, it makes me feel bad when you say like this. Criticizing is, you never say nothing nice. See the difference? Criticism is the first sign of danger in any marriage. Criticism leads to contempt. Contempt breaks my heart when I see it. This is where one partner is, seems like disgusted with the other one. Like, like you see, wonder like, do they even like each other? And sometimes I see some of the way couples argue and the way they, they even they joke back and forth. And I'm like, do these people even like each other? The eye rolling, the sarcasm, the insults. Eventually, that gets to defensiveness. What's defensive? Defensiveness is when it's all his fault. She did this, she did this. It's all her fault. It's all his fault. I did nothing wrong. And you can't see any good coming from them. You can't see any bad coming from you. And eventually, that leads to stonewalling, which like I said, I define it as, better term for me is checking out. Where, okay, that's fine. Uh, we should do this. All right, do whatever you want. I don't care. And that's where, hands off, checked out. And that's the worst state for marriage to be in. Where you're basically business partners who happen to share a house and a bank account together and nothing deeper than that. Let me say this before I move on. If you're at number four, 
you need to get help. If you're at number four, you need to talk to somebody. You're welcome to come talk to me, but I think you even need to get help maybe a little bit bigger than me. Hopefully you're not there, all right? And if you're not there, we're gonna talk about some stuff and hopefully we can improve, but let me be clear that if you're there, you need to go talk to somebody because this situation when you hit number four is fatal, right? If you continue on too long. But like I said, hopefully you're not right there. So hopefully we'll take a step back and we will talk about how we can seek God in order to fight fair. Key verse for us is going to be James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. It says, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Three things. We're going to break each of these down. These are the three rules of fighting fair. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. It's from the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. This isn't stuff that is from books. It's from the word of God himself. You be swift to hear, you be slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Let's break it down one by one. Let's start with the swift to hear. Rule number one of fighting fair is you listen intently. Now, like I spoke about during the, the sermon earlier today, is we listen intently. Ask yourself, swift to hear or swift to speak? Be fair. Which one better characterizes you and your fighting style? Do you listen first, talk second? Or do you talk first, listen second? I'll give you another analogy about how fighting should work. I'll use everyone's favorite example. I'll use a football. There's something else I learned at weekend to remember, sort of, but I kind of adapted it to my own. You know how oftentimes we do fighting? <clears throat> like a game of ping pong. That was this, okay? The ping pong. The back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And someone says, and before that person even finished saying the sentence, I respond back, and then they respond back, and I respond back, and they respond back. And you get nowhere. View conversations more as a game of catch. Can I know if you catch? Peter, can you catch? Yeah. All right, so I'm going to play a game of catch here with Peter. All right, ready? A lot of pressure on Peter right here. All right, ready? Good hands. Back to me. What do you notice about what my relation with this ball is in game of catch versus a game of ping pong? In a game of catch, you cannot begin to throw until you have first caught right? If I try to throw while the ball's in the air, I'm not going to catch it. Anyone knows anything about football, rule number one of wide receivers is you look the ball in, all right? And you don't even start to run until you look it in. So as that ball's in the air, one more time, Peter, watch how I look it in. And you look it all the way in, you tuck it, you look at it, you control it, and then you move. We need to make our conversations that same way. Unfortunately for us, a lot of times the way it's fighting, while she's talking, I'm thinking what I'm going to say. And as soon as it crosses the net, I smack it back. Ha, take that. <laughs> and that doesn't get us nowhere. Instead, stop thinking about what you're going to say and listen. And look it in. And as the ball is coming and as she's speaking or he's speaking, you want to look that sucker in until all the way and you've understood it and you have gotten full control of it and you got it firmly in your grip. And they say, okay, now I understand what you're saying. I've listened intently. Okay, now it's my turn. See how that works? Your fighting style. Ping pong or football? Ping pong in that kind of way of just responding 
to one another will never get you anywhere. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights only in airing his own opinions. Listening intently means that you are actually, I know this is a novel concept for some of us, especially in the male species, that you are actually trying to understand what she is saying. And not only you're trying to understand, but you know like when they give you the, the tips, okay, that your best bet is to understand is to like say it back. All right, that's what they say in the communication classes, that you want to like ask questions. What did you mean when you said, oh, so I think you mean this. Show that you really understand before you respond. I'm telling you, 90% of problems can be solved by this. Because 90% of the time, I'm swinging back, and we're fighting over two different subjects. One is fighting over the socks to be like this, and the other one is fighting over, why didn't you call me on your way home? And we're fighting over two different things. And we're not, because we're not listening to each other. So rule number one, we have to be committed to listening. After you listen, it's time to speak. But speak carefully. Speak carefully. Meaning, think before you open your trap. Again, some basic ground rules right here. I got just six ground rules right here. First three and the next three. First, never call names. All right, we knew, we knew from when we were young, Okay, we don't want to get older and go back to name calling, all right? Never, she's a this or she's a that. You deal with the issue, not with the name calling. Never raise your voice, all right? I understand sometimes it's hard, but no good ever comes of raising your voice. Never get historical. You know what historical means, right? Uh, why didn't you cook today? Well, you remember three years ago, okay? Don't get historical, all right? What's in the past is in the past. No one likes it when it's done to them, so don't do it to others. A couple other things. Never say never always. You never respect me. Right? It's not never, it's you weren't respectful yesterday, but it's never, never always. Never threaten the D word, okay, the divorce word that has fatal, fatal implications. Never quote a sermon. <laughs> this is very important to me. <laughs> Don't use me in your fight, okay? You got in, you get out, leave me out of it. As Father Anthony says, <laughs> don't do that alright you listen you think you speak novel concept so there I just created two steps before talking okay two steps before talking listen and think Proverbs 21 verse 23 watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Good verse to know, not a good verse to quote in a fight, but good to know. Keep this one to yourself in fighting. The truth is, before you speak, ask yourself two questions. Does what I'm about to say, does this need to be said? And then right on the heels of it, does it need to be said right now because it may seem like a great idea to add on a few more requests but maybe it's not the ideal time to bring up the fact that the turkey was a little dry last night <laughs> maybe that can wait till the next day 
Maybe you think he's picked up a few pounds. Maybe now is not the best time to bring it up. I'm not saying don't bring it up. If he's picked up pounds, you should let him know. The whole world should let him know. I agree. But now may not be the best time to do so. One of the things that we've learned in our marriage, and I encourage this to all other couples out there, anytime there's fighting, there you all you want to do, think about it as like the storm. So like today, it's supposed to be like horrific storm. Okay, I want to touch up some of the bushes outside, but now is not the right time. Now's not the time. Now's time to batten down the hatches. Just kind of keep everything safe. Make sure the hoop doesn't fly away. That's all I want to do right now. Then if I wanted to put some touch-up paint on it later, wait till the sun comes out, and I get out there with the touch-up and we work on all the stuff. Same in your marriage. You have issues in your marriage. Fighting is not the time to discuss them. Fighting is the time to get through the fight, batten down the hatches, survive the storm, let the sun come up, and then maybe next day say, hey, you know what? Let's talk about the way we fight. Why is it that we always get, why is it that something small always lasts three weeks? Now we're close. Okay, after we're close, when we're not close, we can't discuss this. But now we're close. You know, it really hurts me when you say this. And I understand that I hurt you, but I just want you to know. Like, let's use the sunny days to get ahead in our marriage and to discuss these things. I'm not saying don't discuss them, but just think about the timing of it. You know, statistics say, you know when, husband and wife, what time of day the majority of the fights happen? At night when? Before dinner. Why? Because when this is empty, this doesn't work. <laughs> Don't bring up stuff when this is empty. <laughs> Does this need to be said? This needs to be said right now. Let's say you're in a good time right now in your marriage. And I hope and I pray that you are. Maybe this is a good time. Like, I'm going to give you a homework assignment at the end today to discuss how you fight. And this is a good time to ask each other questions. Say, hey, what is it, and we'll go back and forth. So what is it that I do that you appreciate? What is it that I do that, that, that makes you feel really loved and really close and, and makes you trust me? What is it that I do? And then, what is it that I do that makes you feel the opposite of that? And we'll each kind of exchange that. And maybe when we're close, we can make significant strides together in that respect. All right, so we listen intently, we think, and then we speak carefully. Number three, we handle anger righteously. We handle anger righteously. And that's the expression that says, quick to, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. All right? Let's go to this verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. It says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. You know, it's funny that it mentions anger or wrath and sun going down. It's funny because at nighttime, especially when the sun goes down and it's time to go to bed, that's when some of the dirtiest fighting takes place. Right, married couples? Because single people, you don't get this now, but when you get married, you will get this. That once you become married, you are infused with the ability to fight really dirty at night. And you start to have an understanding 
of below the belt shots and 99% of it is at night right before you go to bed. For those who don't know, let me try to educate y'all a little bit. All right? When it comes to marital fighting, especially, like I said, marriage fighting at night before bed, there is a fighting stance, a position. And the position looks like this. Each one on their side, back to back, facing the wall. And when you are in that position, fighting, there is a clear divide line, and you never cross into enemy territory. <laughs> and when you're at this time and you're fighting, there's two kinds of fighters, okay? There's the huffers and the silent people, okay? The huffers and the silent. The huffers, okay, as the name indicates, okay, they're over here and they're fighting and they're <sighs> grabbing, kind of, kind of tossing and turning and slamming the pillow and <sighs> and they want to make sure the other person knows I'm awake and I'm upset and, and yeah. Now, now the, the silent does the opposite. The silent doesn't move an inch. <laughs> don't breathe. Don't blink. Don't want the other person, don't want the huffer to even have the satisfaction of knowing that I'm alive right now. <laughs> so what does the huffer do? Because the huffer is annoyed by this. The huffer gets up, goes to the bathroom, slams down the seat, kind of stomps their way back to the bed and huffs and puffs. And like I said, when you're there and you got that clear line and one is huffing and the other one is playing dead, all right? <laughs> and you got that enemy divide line, you never cross over in enemy territory. And let's say your left pinky toe crosses over and makes contact with their left pinky toe, you grab it back over there and you say, you're not keeping your feet warm on my feet tonight. <laughs> This is how we fight. The Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Question. Does that mean we never go to sleep angry? I'm going to give you my opinion. And I know my opinion is different than a lot of other people's opinions. So you're welcome to throw this away if you want. But this is what I have found. I'll tell you my theory. I disagree slightly with a theory that says you never sleep angry. It works for some people, works for you, more power to you. Like, that's great. More power to you. But I found that oftentimes, a little bit of sleep is the best thing for a fight. A little bit of separation, meaning calming, calming, okay, waking up fresh, can be the best thing for a marriage. Again, it may not work for you and your marriage, that's totally fine. But for me, and for our marriage, what we found is that sometimes, that we both, at night, they wake up in the morning, and all of a sudden, things seem a little bit more clear. And I'll tell you how I interpret this verse, of do not let the sun go down in your wrath. Because I don't think that it means don't go to sleep angry. But I'll tell you what's dangerous. It's not dangerous when you sleep angry. It's not dangerous when you sleep angry. You know what's dangerous? When you have breakfast the next morning. We're angry at night. And then breakfast is, hey, how's it going? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, have a great day. Yeah, you That's dangerous. Because to me, the verse that says, do not let the sun go down in your wrath, doesn't mean don't physically close your eyes and go to sleep with the problem between you, what it means to me is don't leave a problem unresolved. 
Don't leave a problem unresolved. And if it takes each one to their corner, okay, for a night, wake up, clear-headed, spend their time, and this is connected now with last week with seeking God, because that's what we found, is that oftentimes we're huffing and we're puffing, then wake up in the morning, and me, the way I am, and Marianne, I'm pretty sure is the same way, I can't pray when I'm upset at my wife. I can't. So what happens is I get up in the morning, and I don't want to talk to her, and I don't want to see her, but I don't want to spend time with God, and I can't. I can't. I can't spend time with God. And I know that she can't either. I know either that. So what we do is we find a way to come together. And sometimes we go into our room with that quiet time, with that prayer, things become clear, come together. Hey, sorry, I was a jerk. And she'll say, yeah, I know you were a jerk. And then we resolve the problem that way. Okay? Our fights always get solved. That's just perfect like that. What this verse means to me is do not leave a problem over there in the corner of your house unresolved. And again, for you, if it works, that resolve it before you sleep, more power to you. But if that doesn't necessarily work for you, that's okay. It's okay if you slept with it unresolved. But wake up and resolve it. Schedule a time together the next day when emotions are down. That's the other reason I, why I say in the morning sometimes better than at night, because at night, emotions okay, and feelings and stuff like that kind of get in the way. But in the morning, maybe we can sit down okay, okay, and have a, a logical together. And we can help resolve some of this stuff. Don't leave a problem to linger. You know what that problem that's lingering over there that you're ignoring, you know what it is? It's the devil's foothold. That's what the verse said. It gives a place to the devil. It's where the devil is now occupied territory. And he's fine. He's not going to make a big problem because he's just happy to be inside the house. Okay, that's fine. Y'all continue your stuff and I'll just be here. And then when y'all went to work, I just kind of scoot up this way. Oh, and then the in-laws came over? I can take a big step there. <laughs> and that's what he does. Once he's inside, you gave a place to the devil, then anything, he can find a way to increase his territory. We never let the sun go down on our wrath. means that we never leave a problem unresolved. We never just leave it lingering. We resolve it. That's the other reason why... Okay, I'll keep going on my little soapbox here, so sorry. That's the other reason why I'm not a huge fan of we have to solve it at night. Because you know what happens, what I've seen is a lot of times it's not really resolving it. We just want to go to sleep. And it doesn't matter who can outlast the other one. And says, I just want to sleep, so fine, whatever. That's why I'm not a fan of that. We need to resolve it, not just put the cover over it and just say, well, we slept and we're not angry at each other. We need to get to the root of it and we need to resolve it. Because that will cause problems. Some of you say, well, that's fine for you. My husband's a jerk. He's always been a jerk. He's been a jerk for years. And you don't know how many things he proves his jerkness with. Okay, I agree he's a jerk. But you know how his jerkness started? It was one day with one issue that didn't go resolved. So don't say that he is a jerk. Say that we had this one issue which we didn't resolve, and now we're going to work on resolving the issues. Because that's all it is, is unresolved issues. And if we can go back, and I seek God, and he seeks God. And, and no matter how long it's been since we've sought God, like we talked about last week, we're going to seek God, and we're going to trust that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he shall add all these things unto us. So it doesn't matter how deep you are in the pit of conflict that's unresolved. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that we're seeking God, and we're fighting fair. And I'm going to fight fair, and I'm going to trust that God is going to do a work in him. That's why, like I said, fighting fair without seeking God won't work. Two need to be hand in hand. Like I said, for us, what works in our marriage 
Because we seek God, we end up fighting fair. Not because, like I said last week, not because of my commitment to her, but because of my commitment to him. Because if I mistreat her, then regardless of the repercussions here, there's going to be repercussions here. So because I seek God, I seek to fight in a way that is pleasing to him. And because I seek God, I want to have intimacy with God. I cannot have intimacy with God without having intimacy with my wife. And if there's distance here, there will always be distance here. Last week, seek God wasn't a do it and move on. It was a ongoing. And it is the foundation for everything that we're going to talk about to have a successful marriage. Because no matter how much pain you may be in in your marriage and how, un, how difficult the conflict may be, I believe, and so do you, Luke 18, 27, that the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Look, let me say something here on a serious note. I kind of made light of conflicts this whole time and socks and, and dumb fights and all this kind of stuff. And I know, and I can see it in the eyes of some of the people here, that some of you have serious conflicts in your marriage. And you feel like serious pain. And you've been seriously hurt. Like I know that there's all kinds of stuff, you know, from marriages and abuse and lying and cheating. And I understand that. And I'm not trying to make light of it in any way. But my advice is the same. My advice is the same. Seek God, fight fair. Seek God and trust that you, remember the name of this series is for better or for worse. Because what we're talking about is my commitment is to God that when she is better or when she is worse, when she is good or when she is bad, when she's meeting my needs, when she's not meeting my needs, I made a commitment that I'm going to be this kind of husband when she's good or when she's not good. My commitment is not based on, on, on an individual, on my wife and how she behaves. That, that's a recipe for disaster. Because then no, none of us is, is always going to be here. There's none of us that's always going to be worthy of being loved. My commitment to love her is based on my commitment to him. And I always tell couples, if you're not ready to be fully committed to him, you ain't ready to get married. You definitely ain't ready to get married. You're in a struggle. Because this isn't going to hold you through. But this is. So because of my commitment to him... I'm going to seek God, and I'm going to fight fair. I'm going to be the husband that God calls me to be, regardless of whether or not she's the wife that God calls her to be. And she's going to do the same. And I'm challenging you to do the same. And when we do that, we're not putting our trust in man or woman or spouse or anything like that. We're putting our trust in God. That God united me with my spouse, and God brought us together, and if I obey God and I abide by his principles that he teaches, then God will see me through this. For better... Or for worse. Married couples, your homework assignment is you come up with the rules for fighting. In your handout, there's three questions to kind of spur on your discussion. I don't care if you answer those three questions or you answer whatever questions. This week, you come up with the rules for fighting. Single people, you don't have rules for fighting necessarily with a spouse, but I guarantee you the same principles, same principles apply in all your relationships. So you take a look at yourself. And it may be helpful to ask your brother, your sister, your best friend, whatever, how it is that your fighting tactics are and maybe discuss with them as well. Because I guarantee you, you can use these same principles for any relationship. Point is, we want to stop looking at the conflict as something between us. And we want to start, come together, hold hands with God. We want to look at this as something against us. 
That issue is not between you. That issue is against you. And we will fight it with all the power of heaven and all the power we have on earth. We'll fight against it and God will give us victory because that's what he has promised us. All right, ladies and gentlemen, next week, I'm excited. We're going to talk about our next commitment, which is having fun. All right. So this week, we're going to duke it out. We're going to get rid of all the fighting. And next week, we're going to come back about talk about having fun together, which is one of the most under-emphasized uh, aspects that's important in marriage. All right. Let's stand up for a prayer together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for the gift that you've given to us. Thank you for always being on our side and, and, and never being like against us when we sin or when we make mistakes. You always take our hand, Lord, and help us to solve it with you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be the same in our relationships with one another. Give us, Lord, hearts of understanding ears are open and mouth is shut give us to be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath in all of our relationships with one another Lord so that we can have the kind of God pleasing and God glorifying marriages and relationships that you designed for us Lord I pray that you would really bring healing through this series bring healing to the marriages out there that really need healing the ones that, that just can't seem to get past the conflict and just every fight seems to be forever. And, and, and sometimes it seems like the blows are below the belt. Lord, I pray that you would bring healing to those marriages. Pray that you would help the single people, teach them, Lord, how to fight fair and how to resolve conflict in a way that's, that's, that's in accordance with like your commandment so that when they do get married, they don't make the same mistakes, Lord, that, that the rest of us made. Put your hand of blessing upon our church and upon every marriage, whether current or future, Lord, and, and make it pleasing to you and make it to fulfill the desires of our hearts. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. As we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, and thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.